Give us today our daily bread. Kingdom come, your will be done. And the power forgiven our debt. For yours is the debts and the power and the glory of heaven. For yours is the kingdom and the glory of heaven. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Good to see you. Glad you're here today to worship with us. Happy Father's Day. We're looking at seeking protection, and we as fathers have been given the role of, we've been equipped and given the role of protecting our families, and so this applies to everybody, what we're looking at today, but especially dads, uh, I'd like you to think about taking this uh, and translating it into your role as a father, because you are charged by the Lord with the responsibility of protecting your families physically, emotionally, spiritually, relationally, in every way you can think of, to the best of your ability. So <clears throat> as we talk about protection, that's, that's part of your role. And I, I really appreciate Father's Day more than, I mean, I appreciate Mother's Day a lot. I don't appreciate it more. Let me, let me, re, let me start over. Oh, my goodness. Scratch this from the tape. Um, the CD, whatever it is now, I don't know. Um, I, it's easier for me to speak on Father's Day to the fathers. I don't, I don't like to speak, you know, and tell mothers what to do. <laughs> so I'm always a little freer to get after the dads, you know. That's what I meant. That's all I meant. Sorry. I do appreciate Mother's Day. Um, Okay, anyway, roll, roll the recording now. <laughs> um, we've been looking at how to pray. We've been learning it from the Lord Jesus himself. The disciples had watched him pray in instance after instance, constantly, as he faced challenges, struggles, as he had decisions to make, when, when things were just rough for him, he, he would pull aside and pray. And so one of the disciples at one point asked him if, they, if he would teach them how to pray. And so he laid out a model prayer for them. And we've been, we've been looking at that. He actually gave that model prayer twice. Uh, at least it's recorded twice. He may have gone over something similar more than that. But it's in Luke, and that's where the disciple asked him to teach the disciples how to pray. And then we've been looking at the one in Matthew. And by way of review, this is what we've looked at. This then, Jesus said, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. This is the tune-in step. This is how you tune into God. You acknowledge who you're talking to. He's our Father. He is hallowed. He's holy. His name's to be revered. He himself is to be honored. And that's the way we enter the presence of the Lord, Psalm says. We enter with praise and thanksgiving to God. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is how you get connected to God. You connect by setting your heart to follow him and to advance his kingdom. By, and that's how you become a part of his kingdom. You make him boss. You make him the king. And that's how you get connected and stay connected to God throughout your life. As, as, you, as you face circumstances, decisions, struggles, whatever it is, you come to the point and you say, God, not my will, but yours. And you stay connected to him all through the day. 
Jesus taught us also to pray, give us today our daily bread. Making, making requests is important. Jesus showed us the importance of asking. Like every father, God likes to be asked. And we don't demand, but we ask him for things. And in the asking and his providing, our trust grows. We, we learn to trust him more and more. And that really helps us deal with anxiety. We, he wants to know about all our concerns, our needs, the things that we're struggling with, working with. He wants to turn that into a prayer. God, help me with this. Would you help me to do what's right before you? And then Jesus, last week, we looked at how he showed us to pray, forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. Um, looked at finding forgiveness and how if you're God's child and you've experienced God's forgiveness and you refuse to forgive someone else, you have grossly miscalculated the mountain of debt that you owed God when he forgave you. That's what we learn. And so it follows when we ask for forgiveness, we set out to grant it to those around us. We set out to give forgiveness and well as well and and Jesus wants that to be a part of our our daily prayers our prayers as we as we relate to him and that's the healing that brings healing forgiveness is crucial for emotional healing and as it as, as that emotional healing spreads throughout our entire relationship network and lives God really brings health and healing through that the last petition that we're looking at uh, of this template for prayer that Jesus gave us follows right after forgiveness and also uh, logically so. If, if you're genuinely repentant for wrongdoing, you don't want to blow it again. And if you've just disappointed, if you're a child in a relationship, a good relationship with a parent, and you've just disappointed them, you don't want to do that again. You want to avoid that. And so... Jesus teaches us to pray and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. He teaches us that prayer is a preemptive weapon against temptation. Temptation here in this phrase, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. It literally means, in the Greek that it was originally written in, it literally means a putting to proof. You put something to the proof. You test it. And so what we're praying here is, God, deliver me from temptation. Lead me around temptation that could destroy me. It's okay to pray to avoid testing. It's going to happen. We're going to be tempted. We're going to be tested. But it's okay to pray that we be led around it. We don't want to just charge in just to prove, you know, our our adulthood, <laughs> our manhood or our adulthood. We just don't want to do that. But um, the root of that word temptation means to pierce through with a spear or a spit. You know, like you see a rotisserie chicken in the window, that's a spit. And so... Temptation, there, you know, what we're asking is, God, give me the grace to not let this temptation, this test, run me through and destroy me. 
God, help me with this. I need your help. Um, we have an enemy. It's alluded to in, in the second phrase of this part of the prayer that we're looking at. He, he tempts and he hopes to destroy. And so we're asking for deliverance in the midst of temptation. You know, we, we humans, we have ways of outsmarting insects. Um, we used to have roach motels. I don't know if they still have them. I'm sure Cindy and I bought a few of them in one of the apartments we lived in in Texas. There were several roaches. They would show up when you turn the lights on. They'd scatter. But um, a roach motel is a little box, and it has an opening, and you put, I guess there's some food in there. It smells like food to the roach. And they go in, and they go into the motel, and they look at the piece of food or whatever it is, the, the bait, and they eat it thinking, ha, ah, this can be pretty good stuff, and that's their last meal. They're done. We've outsmarted the roach. We, we can do that. We have this stuff called flypaper, and, you know, flypaper is a sticky material that it emits an odor that the fly can't resist. And so, that's the, that's the last time that fly will fly. It will not launch into flight anymore. You ever, you ever seen a bug zapper? Those things are pretty cool. Um, but, you know, it's got the, the wand with the light. And the, the bugs are attracted to the light. And they go in, they get sucked into the zapper, and zap, they're done. We, we have figured out ways to outsmart the insects that pester us. Well, this is how it is with Satan and us. He has figured out ways to outsmart you and I. He is our enemy, and he's trying to lure us in like he did the first man and the first woman. He, he lured them into rebellion against, against God. He, 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 what he did was he came to Adam and Eve, and he was speaking with Eve. Adam was just standing there. And um, <clears throat> he tempted her by saying, you know this fruit that God said for you not to eat? If you eat of it, then you're going to be able to handle life independent from God. Separate, you, you, you won't need him. You'll be wise without him. So they dove in. Zap. When they dove in, they got zapped. The zapper got them. <clears throat> and that choice brought in all kinds of evil and problems. And it, it brought death, spiritual death, the scripture says. And so we got to remember, just like we can outsmart the insects, the enemy can outsmart us. And so we need God's help in dealing with temptation. We really need, we need to be asking what Jesus taught us to ask here. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. What we're asking for, first of all, is guidance around temptation. Not, not that it's going to be removed from our life. You see in the life of Jesus that he was tempted and we're going to experience this. Um, but we're asking for guidance around it and through it and in the midst of it. Uh, the psalmist prayed in Psalm 119. You might want to write this passage down. This is a great verse. I have it memorized. Psalm 119, 36 and 37. It's a great couple of verses. It says, 
Turn my heart toward your statutes and not toward selfish gain. Turn my eyes away from worthless things. Preserve my life according to your word. This is David, new temptation. You read about his life and you understand he knew temptation. He had caved. So he's asking God, God, would you help me in the midst of this? I, you know, I don't, I don't want to do what you, I don't want to obey your word all the time. Would you turn my heart that direction? Would you help me go in your direction? And he's, he's saying, you know, I just turn my eyes away from the stuff that's going to destroy me, the worthless things that will ruin my life and preserve my life. And that's what God does. He preserves our life according to his word. He does that. Um, he, he guides us around temptation and, and helps us deal with it as we get into Scripture and as we ask God for help. Stop praying and, and disconnect from God and watch how quickly things unravel in dealing with temptation. I don't, I'm not suggesting that you do that, but think about the times that you have. Think about the times that you have stopped and disconnected and how quickly things go south and how, boy, you, you can make a mess of things without God very, very quickly. Um, God's given the guidance in his word that we need, and we get into it, and we begin to apply it, and we ask him for help to turn our heart in the direction that he wants us to go, and we're helped. We avoid we avoid a lot of pain and suffering and trouble as we just stay on the track that God wants us to walk on as we stay in that way. We're told in the word things like live above reproach, avoid the very appearance of evil, and you keep your distance from evil and you're not bit by that snake. You don't have to prove anything by walking up close to it. You keep your distance and... That's the kind of thing you get in the Scripture, guidance around temptation. You just avoid all kinds of mess and trouble. We're also asking for deliverance from the attack of the enemy. The enemy, he wants to take us down, and he wants to keep us pinned down so that we don't do the good that we would do and so that we're destroyed, our lives are ruined. That's the enemy's goal, the evil one that Jesus made reference to. The fight with the enemy is like a wrestling match. It's, it's like hand-to-hand combat where he's trying to take us down. The battlefield, the fight is in our thoughts and emotions. That's the area that we battle in. And, you know, we, you hear songs like, how could this be so wrong when it feels so right? Um, because it's wrong. That's how. You can't, you can't pay attention to your emotions. But what the enemy does is he, he just he's pulling you, tugging on your emotions, trying to trying to lure you into the zapper so you can get zapped and your life would be destroyed. So here's something important to know. God provides a way of escape for every temptation that we face. First Corinthians ten thirteen. No temptation has seized you. Accept what is common to man, and God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide the way out so that you can stand up under it. There it is again. We're trying to stand. The enemy's trying to take us down, pin us to the ground. 
we're, we're, our goal is to stand based on the help that God gives us. Here's some lessons, some observations and lessons from this passage. First of all, expect temptation. It's coming. The temptation that you're facing is common to man. You're not a unique case. It's common. We all deal with the same kind of stuff. And the worst damage is done when you get blindsided because you're not expecting it. You're surprised by the enemy and he takes you down. It's a surprise move in a wrestling match or you're on the battlefield and, whoa, you get knocked down because you didn't see it coming. Expect temptation. Learn. In fact, learn to identify. And we're going to talk about this a little bit. Learn to identify your weaknesses and your areas of temptation so you can deal with it. Um, take care to put up guardrails, put up boundaries, hedges, is what one man called them. There's a book uh, that, that is really good called Hedges, Loving Your Marriage Enough to Protect It. And in that book, what it's by Jerry Jenkins, and in the book, what he talks about is putting up hedges around your marriage, marriage relationship that will not allow you to be unfaithful. Because what he does is he tracks uh, adultery and where it starts. And he goes through the state and he describes it perfectly as, as you look, as you, as you read it. It, it doesn't, it, it starts with uh, a look or a conversation, an inappropriate conversation or a comment. And then a conversation about, um, Maybe things that, maybe they're not really wrong things, but you shouldn't be talking to someone that's not your spouse about those things or getting your emotional needs met by them. And then it just, you're starting to get lured into the trap. And so what, what he says, and this is true with any kind of temptation or sin, is you back up from the sin and you stop it right here. You don't have the conversations. You don't make the comments. You, you stop it right there because the enemy is trying to drag us down the path to get zapped. And that's what we need to do. Uh, you're going to face temptation, so will I. You're normal if you do. And we need to be wise enough to realize that we could fall, ask God for help as we keep the guardrails in place for protection. I don't know about you, but when, when I talk to people who walk with the Lord for a long time, sometimes I actually have gotten over this. But at the beginning, I used to take offense when they would even hint that I could sin or blow it in some way. Well, they, they, they realize we all struggle with the same stuff. They're not picking on you or, you know, they weren't picking on me. They were just trying to keep the guardrails in place. And it's, it's so, some of the guardrails and some of that, it's so uncool, but boy, it protects you. It really does provide the protection you need. So expect temptation. Then secondly, realize God doesn't allow more than we can handle. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. We, we can never say, I just couldn't help it. I just couldn't help myself. It, it, it felt so right. It just, it seems so right, and I just, 
God, God isn't the source of temptation, but he allows it and he uses it for his good purposes. This is the amazing thing about God. Everything that goes on in his world, he uses it for good. And it all sifts through his hands into our lives. One man, I like the picture that he painted. He said that when a sheep starts to wander, the shepherd releases his dog to bring the sheep back into the fold. And that's what that's how God, Satan unwittingly gets used by God to bring us back. Because we're tempted, we're tested, and he, the enemy, tends to destroy, he intends to destroy us and to ruin our lives, but God uses the very tempting and the, and the testing to strengthen us. It's amazing what God does. The enemy wants to afflict, he wants to take us down. But it's, that, it's in that very battle that we can choose faith and find the victory in the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a famous psychological test that was given about 40 years ago called the marshmallow test. And um, what, what they did is they gathered a bunch of four-year-olds and they sat them down and they put a, a marshmallow on the table and they told them, That marshmallow is yours. You can eat it if you'd like. But I'm going to go away, and if you leave the marshmallow there and you don't eat it, then I'm going to bring another marshmallow. So if you let that marshmallow sit there until I come back, then you'll get two marshmallows. And I've watched some YouTube videos about kids trying to not eat the marshmallow. It was pretty entertaining. You know, they're all... They're smelling it. <laughs> you know, they're they're one guy tore it all apart, but he didn't they're just they can't. So anyway, they uh they found through this test that the the kids who could say no to the eating that marshmallow, who could delay gratification gratification and choose self control and self discipline. They scored about 250 points higher on the average on the SAT later on. They tracked these kids over the years. They were much more cooperative. They were less envious of the kids around them, the people around them. They, they actually found that choosing and using self-control in different situations is critical for living a, a life that matters and a successful life and having good relationships. That's, that's how God uses the tempting in our life and the testing. He's trying to develop self-control, self-discipline. And in the midst of choosing that, he is helping us learn to, to develop a virtue or character in us that is going to be helpful across the board. Think about it. You and I, we we need self-control. You want to be married to somebody who chooses self-control because they're going to have to keep denying themselves in order to love you. And and they're going to have to keep choosing to look out to you for your interests instead of their own. And it's the same. You want to work with somebody like that who can choose self-control, who can be self-disciplined. You want to work for somebody like that. You, you just want to have friends that you can count on. It's a, it's, this is very important stuff. So what God does is he tempts us, and it's, it's really a testing to, to grow us 
and to develop us and to help us learn faith, trusting him, and self-control and all kinds of other good stuff as he shapes us into the character of Christ. That's what he's doing. So in the middle of the temptation, God always provides the way out, and we need to look for the way of escape. Uh, He's provided it so we can stand up under the temptation. So first of all, here are three ways to find the way of escape. First of all, identify and resist temptation. 1 Peter 5, 8 through 10 says, Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him. Standing firm in the faith. Our goal is to stand, not to get knocked down. We resist. It's going to require resistance in this battle. Because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And the God of all grace, who called you into his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. This this process, this battle, God's using to strengthen us. And as we walk with him through it, he, he develops all kinds of good stuff in us. The evil one's purpose is to separate you from God because sin separates. If you cave, you're separated. We looked at that a little bit. You know, if I cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. So it's one reason we get forgiveness, so we'll stay connected to God. Um, but when you're separated from God and you just check out and start walking away from him, things unravel. Life, life doesn't go well without him. So we need to be aware there's temptation. We have an enemy. We've got to resist. And then <clears throat> here's a passage that helps us identify the different kinds of temptations, at least a, co- a few of them. 1 Corinthians 10, 6 through 10. It's the passage right before 1 Corinthians 10, 13 that we were looking at. It says, now, these things occurred as examples to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. So this is a reference to the people of Israel, the, the Jewish folks that God raised up Moses and led them out of slavery in Egypt and was going to lead them into the promised land. They had seen some amazing things. <clears throat> Talked about this a little few weeks ago. Uh, they'd, they'd been led by God with a cloud during the day and fire at night. That's how, that's how he led them through the wilderness. They crossed the Red Sea on dry land as they were being chased by the Egyptians. He provided manna every day for them to eat and quail at night. So they, they had seen some, some amazing things. But in the midst of all these evidences that God really loved them and cared for them was meeting their needs, this is, this is what happened, and this is the warning. Do not be idolaters, as some of them were, as it is written. People sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in pagan revelry. What what happened is, while Moses went up to meet with God, get the instructions from God as to how the people were to live, they they got tired of waiting, and so they built a golden calf, started worshiping the calf, and partying. they, They basically just dove in. They said, we're not going to wait on God. We're going to do our own thing. And so the warning is, don't be idolaters. What that means is, don't make anything more important than God in your life. 
Don't, don't let anything take his place. Don't try to substitute anything else in your life for God. If you're tired of waiting on his permission, provision, wait longer. And don't step in there and have something else meet the need that only God can meet. Or try to have something else meet the need that God can only meet. Because it won't happen. We should not commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 of them died. Uh, stepping out of bounds brings spiritually, I mean sexually and spiritually, brings consequences. We should not test the Lord, it says, demanding things from God or elf. God, I'm going to renounce you. That's what it means to test God. And do not grumble as some of them did and were killed by the destroying angel. Grumbling is a serious offense to God. We, we accept it today in our world, in our country especially. You know, it's just everybody can grumble, complain. We complain about problems rather than being a part of the solution. So those are some things. Ident- whatever your struggle is, identify it and set out to resist it. Here are a couple things that we need to do to resist. First of all, immerse yourself in God's Word. The Word changes perspective our values, it helps get our thoughts and our emotions heading in the right direction as we soak in the scripture and let God speak to us through it. And as we do that, we should listen to its warnings. 1 Corinthians 10, 11, 12 says, These things happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us on whom the fulfillment of the ages has come. So if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. It's a real shortcut to learn from others' mistakes. And so I used to read the story of the Israelites when I was younger. And I think, look at those people. God, God's done amazing things. I mean, he's let, he's let them out of slavery. The, the manna's falling you, you know, every morning. The quail's there at night. This is amazing. And they're still complaining. And I used to sort of look at them self-righteously, thinking, you know, what's their trip? You know, do they not? Appreciate God and what he's done. and Boy, the older I get, the more I realize. A few days of manna, and I'm looking for some steak. You know, I'm a little tired of the manna. I'm, I'd be grumbling right there with them. And, and it's, it's, if, if you look at things self-righteously, you're, you're not going to avoid or learn from the mistakes that are being made. So, humbly. Read Scripture and look at what's going on there and learn from it. Read and realize you could do the same thing. So listen to its warnings. Then, secondly, use it as a weapon for battle. Ephesians 6.17 says, The helmet of salvation is, is part of armor. This is a list of the armor that God's provided for us to win the battle with sin and temptation with the evil one. It says, Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So identify the battleground. Where's the struggle? What's the temptation? Where where do I keep blowing it or where do I keep struggling? Memorize the scripture. Soak it in. And then swing the sword. This is what Jesus did in Matthew 4. You can read how he dealt with temptation. He had three specific temptations from the enemy. He answered every one of them with with a, a short scripture verse. So that's what I try to do when I'm battling, whatever the area, if, 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 if and, and whatever your area, battle with the Scripture. So 
If you're struggling with anger, you might want to memorize Ephesians 4.32. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. That that's, follows a passage that commands us to put away all anger and clamor and slander and malice. So we, we memorize a short verse and we just swing our sword, God help me. I want to I wanna let them have it right now. And I, I'm offended that they did that. But, you know, Lord, help me be kind-hearted and, and help me to forgive in the right way. Help me do the appropriate thing to bless them and help them. But, but God, don't let me do it out of anger. If you're struggling with fear, Psalm 27.1, Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is a stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? No one. God is there to help. So if you're struggling with fear, ask God for help. Swing the sword, ask God for help. If you're grumbling, complaining, if that's your struggle, um, 1 Corinthians or 1 Thessalonians, sorry, 5:18. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. All of them, not 99% of them. All of them. That's God's will. So rather than grumble, quote that verse and start thinking about why you can be grateful for the person you're grumbling against. And then you, you may need to take some steps to work a problem out or something, but at least that gives you the right attitude as you move toward it. Lust, if you struggle with lust, Job 31.1, I made a covenant with my eyes not to look with lust upon a young woman. Quote that, ask God for help, redirect your thoughts as you start moving. Identify the battle, memorize the scripture, and swing the sword. So immerse yourself in the word and begin to use it as you, as you face the enemy. Third, connect with people who will pray for you. James 5.16, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. We need God. We need his help. And we also need the help of fellow believers to deal with temptation. Um, if, if you are struggling with something, remember the flypaper. You, you need someone who will stop you or hold you accountable. They, they really can't be there 24 hours a day, but they'll pray for you. You've you got to humble yourself and say, I'm really struggling here. Could you pray with me? Could you keep me accountable? Could you keep checking back, see how I'm doing on this? Maybe once a week or so, just find out what's going on. And you can find freedom in that. So we need to connect with people who will pray for us. If you, if you can't win a battle, open up to someone you can trust and ask them to pray with you. And then we support each other this way, Ephesians 6.18. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. So we, we help each other out this way as we pray. There's some next steps on your listening guide and on the connection card that you may want to take as a result of hearing the message. You might want to memorize Matthew 6.13 just to remind you to pray. You know, don't, don't put on the armor and Charge into battle and face temptations you don't need to face. Ask God for deliverance. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. 
maybe the next step you want to take is to resist a temptation you've identified. I've identified this, and I just need to resist. I'm caving in. I need to, I need to God, help me to turn my heart toward your statutes. Help me to resist this and help me to do the right thing, God. Uh, maybe your next step is to apply the sword of the Spirit in a battle. You've got a battle you're dealing with, you're struggling, and you need to take uh, the Scripture and begin to swing the sword. Or your next step could be to connect with someone and humble yourself and say, I'm struggling here, would you pray with me about this? And that way, there's a lot of healing that comes out of that. God provides strength. Uh, among us fellow believers. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for your word that gives instruction. We thank you for your help, Lord Jesus, in teaching us how to pray. And I pray that as we move from this message series, that, God, you draw our hearts more and more into your presence and that you'd help us to learn to be real with you and to trust you with everything that's going on, and then to fight the battle that lies before us because you want to use it to develop us and strengthen us and change us and make us more useful and and much more of a blessing to those around us. So God, help us to have the strength and the power to deal with these things and to learn how to trust you more in prayer. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.